This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. Muy buenas noches, ¿cómo están? Thank you so much for your patience. I want to welcome you to the first event and convening of the 2024 Texas Author Series at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And Carmen, um, she is the madrina of the Latino Bookstore. She's a dear friend of mine. She really is a, a legend and she's down to earth and she's a brilliant writer who continues to give back. So she actually is a wonderful performer. So I appreciate her patience. She could technically not only introduce herself, she could put on a whole show and introduce everybody in the room. She was. She was. <laughs> she was. But by the same token, thank you for letting us spoil you just a little bit. Let us spoil you just a little bit in Sioux backyard, which is San Antonio. And we're so happy that we can embrace you here on the west side of San Antonio because the whole country knows you, the whole world knows you, but it's wonderful that this is where you came from. And it's wonderful that you share your genius and your art with the Latino Bookstore and the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And of course, we hope that everyone will feel at home every second Friday of the month as we kick off our next full year of programming. And we want to remind you, this is one of the few places where our cultura can come and during business hours, enjoy their art and culture and take a little bit of it home with them. This is not to diminish all the other book endeavors. So shout out to Libremobile in Califas, Resistencia Books in Austin, Casa Ramirez in Houston, and anybody that's dreaming up a pop-up right now on live stream, please, we encourage you to do so to keep us posted. We never want to diminish your work. We just want to tell the rest of the world that there aren't too many buildings that our gente own, call home, and we can convene it on our terms. And it's really wonderful to welcome one of our very own champions to our house. On that note, today really is a special for so many reasons. And as you embrace Warrior Girl and add this to your personal collection, I do want to say a couple things. Since we've last met, the Texas Institute of Letters has recognized what we always knew, but they have recognized you for a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I want to say one thing. We're very happy that we support writers that are established, like Carmen Tafoya, but she and the Latino Bookstore support new writers, writers from independent presses, and we try and really promote the whole community. We try and put not just San Antonio, all of Texas, and sometimes Tejanos that have gone somewhere else and come back. So you get to see some of that. Next second Friday of March, you'll get to see someone that you know from San Antonio, Anel Flores. 
with her book Empanada that she'll be sharing. And then also a writer from Houston, Texas, um, Isis Fernandez, who I'm so happy we cultivated from when she wasn't published to the launch of a new book. So I want to just make it clear that we try and celebrate all those writers and we run out of space too. So folks that we try and celebrate now, we'll try and celebrate. If we can't get to them, we'll celebrate them later. One other thing I really want to remind you too is that this is not just your typical bookstore. So when you buy a book tonight, the proceeds go back to the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center to help finance all of the different art forms that we have here. Anybody been to the Conjunto Festival? A couple, yeah, right. Uh, Cine Festival? Mariachi? Baile? I love it. I love it. All those art forms are based here, but we all help each other continue to pay the bills uh, and make sure that there's someone here to attend to you. Additionally, I want you to know that uh, Congressman Joaquin Castro gave a grant to the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, which means that we were able to create a curriculum guide for this book. So if you know it and love it, please embrace it. Please spread the word. But if you know educators or folks at a community center, tell them that if they email us, we will send them a free copy of the lesson plans, the curriculum guides for teachers to use in schools. We want to spread that far and wide for free. And again, we want to thank the office. We should applaud uh, Congressman Joaquin Castro for funding that. And I do want to thank uh, Araceli Manriquez, who is the wonderful teacher that wrote those lesson plans, who is a brilliant instructor, has inspired many. But this is what we get to bring folks, is that these are folks that know our community, that have a heart in our community, but spread it all over. And you mentioned some of the hardships that have existed in the past to spread books, and now that are upon us. How beautiful that we have our own space to share our books. I love the title, Warrior Girl, because at the end of the day, we are champions of cultura. We are champions of conocimiento. And tonight, I'm so happy that we get to meet, talk, and celebrate someone that has changed the world with her words, but always comes back home. So as people are watching on live stream, this will air later on Muesta Palabra's radio show. Of course, right now it's on the live stream. If you go to the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center Facebook page, you can share that as well. Porque gente va a tener envidia. They'll be watching like, oh man, I wasn't there, right? Let them know. <laughs> Let them know they can come throughout the week. But let's applaud nice and loud so they can hear us as we welcome home our very own Carmen Tafoya. Thank you, Tony. He really knows how to make us sound good, huh? <laughs> um, I was thinking about this evening. I, you know, the book came out in September. The Spanish version of it, Guerrera, will be out next month in March. Um, and I was thinking, well, they're probably going to be bored with it by now. You know, they've, they've heard it, they've seen it, they've heard about it. And then I thought, 
that's ridiculous. You know, you don't get the whole city to read things. And people have their very busy schedules because we're very lucky as a community. We have lots and lots of activities going on. We have a choice of things. We have to turn things down. Some places never get Mexican-American cultural events or rarely. So, um, you know, that's, that's uh, something to be proud of. But also I thought, I want to make this appeal to a broader audience because we are many things, each one of us. Some of us are parents or children or siblings or abuelos. Um, we're professionals or we're retired or we're working hard to make ends meet. We're uh, ambassadors and diplomats between our neighbors and between our friends and between people that are, no, ¿por qué dices eso? And you're the one that has to kind of make the peace. We do so many different things. And so I wanted to honor all of the people here and all of the things that they do, people from every age. And we have from second grade up. So um, I'm going to mix a little bit. I'm not going to start with Warrior Girl. I'm going to start with a piece of prose. I told you guys that I kind of have a little rebelde in me um, because um, I just got tired of, of uh, being told what I could do and what I couldn't do when I was growing up. And so as a result, I, um, I, I did a little bit of everything. I did, you know, I won't stick with one thing too long. I'll move to something else and do that and then come back. And I'm doing poetry with one hand and children's lit with the other and some, something for adults only with another hand. And so, <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to share some of that. I wanted us to also know the struggles that we had come through. So I decided I'd start with a piece of prose, a little short, short, short story. And um, <clears throat> writers are dangerous because they write about true things. They tell the truth. So this is fiction, uh, sort of. I changed the names, you know. So um, I have a choice for you guys. You get to pick. Um, one is a story that very few people, that I only published back in 1980 uh, something. Hold on. <laughs> it was published the first time in around 83 or 84, and it caused the greatest scandal because it was about a little tradition that happened to be going on in Austin when my late husband and I had first moved to Austin. And uh, we were from San Antonio. We didn't know what was going on in Austin. And uh, uh, turns out <clears throat> he went to work. And, and at work, somebody said, oh, are you going to the Tardiana this evening? All the leaders of the Chicano community are going to be there. you got to be there. you got to go. It's really wonderful. It's up in Zilker Park. It's going to be so cool. And so what did he do? He came home and he told me about it. He said, come on, vamos. Apaga el comal. We're headed out to Zilker Park. They're going to have fajitas and all the leaders. And so when we thought of all the leaders, we immediately thought of Marta Cotera because Marta Cotera was behind everything good that happened in Austin for the Chicano community, it seemed. And uh, we had a little surprise of mine. So this is not a piece of fiction. It is prose. But I thought I'd share it with you just to give you a little feel for our history and what has happened. And especially because we're living in a time period now 
and not that it's new, we've been living in this for a long while, but where several groups of human beings have been prime targets. Women, pretty much universally, being controlled or demonized or restricted or told to know their place. Um, children, always children, have been the last ones to have rights. If you look at our, our budgets and you look at, at child poverty, most of the poverty population in the United, in the United States are children. The children are the ones that are, that are struggling. Our money's going everywhere except to the starving children in the U.S. Um, and, um, and immigrant populations. So uh, I, think, I thought I'd start with a little bit of feminism. And um, this is a little bit of history. Uh, told us a story. You don't know Marta. Now, I might as well be honest and tell you right now that I'm prejudiced. I think San Antonio is the absolute center of the universe. El mero, mero ombligo. Well, it doesn't make me too popular living in Austin, you know. Most folks get up to Austin and say, isn't Austin just great? And don't you love it here? But these San Antonians, we just shrug our prejudiced shoulders and say, well, it isn't San Antonio, but... Well, now, Ernie and I moved to Austin right after we got married. That is, we moved to the San Antonio side of Austin, and we hadn't been there long enough for the cilantro to bloom when someone at work invited him to a tardeada. Said a tardeada was an annual function to gather together the leaders of the Chicano community, a time to relax, drink beer, eat fajitas, let their hair down, and just talk. They wanted a chance to bring together all the leaders of the community and let great ideas be born. Now, when he said that, I immediately thought of Marta Cotera. Marta is one of the few people I know who stays awake nights just plotting how to help people. Ernie has a favorite saying about Marta. He says, if Marta stepped outside the city limits, the average IQ of the city of Austin would drop by 15 points. Now, you guys knowing about all those university professors and high-tech researchers in Austin, not to mention some of the smartest political anglers you ever saw in that good old boys club they call the Capitol, you might think that was a slight exaggeration, but then you don't know Marta. You know, Marta and I had plotted many community projects together, and I can vouch that we'd no sooner be sketching out the final objectives to one project than she'd be thinking up four other spin-off projects as well and planning 40 ways to get funding and implementation for all five. She just doesn't stop. Mas viva que una víbora, and going faster than the speed of light on a slow day. So Ernie turns to me and says, what do you think? Should we go? And both of us being the shy retiring type who never get involved in Chicano community affairs, we're out the door before the comales even cool. We drove up to a place, a real pretty clubhouse type place up in Zilker Park with a nice view and the breeze blowing cool and perfect for a tardeada on a summer evening. And we got out of the car following the mariachis to the door. Right away, we knew something was wrong. Now there was Martha's husband, Juan, standing with a group of five or six men. And behind them was another group of eight or nine men. Off to their right was a group of nine or 10 men to their left, a group of eight or nine men, and then maybe 60 men more off on the plaza section. Now that comes to a total of 94 men at a rough count, and every single one of them, or at least 93, staring at me like I was the scourge of the earth. Also staring at Ernie, like he was a cross between Aaron Burr and the assassin of Pancho Villa. Now these aren't strangers, mind you. Among those 93 were a good 30. They were well-beknownst to us. 
Andres, who teaches at the university, Ramon, another famous bilingual educator, why even good old Gonzalo, a model Mexican-American politician and would-be Texas Monthly cover boy, and every single one of them scared to death to say hi or even move an eyelid at us. Yeah, I said 93. Number 94 was Arnulfo. Now, they don't call Arnulfo Arnulfo for nothing. His face just brightened when he saw Ernie and me, two of his favorite people, and totally unselfconsciously, he came over and shook our hands, both of us, like we were real human beings or something. Now I know this is hard to believe that in the middle of that bunch of squinty-eyed thorns, there'd be an old cactus flower like Arnulfo, but there he was, big as day, smiling so bright and pretty and pumping out his handshake like he didn't see the thousand eyes glued to our leprous presence. Now, I can't say for certain because you do know that Arnulfo wears real thick glasses. Maybe it was just because of that. Or maybe it was the glasses he always wears on his soul that gives him a different sight from everyone else. At any rate, we spent 20 minutes talking to Arnulfo because he just wouldn't let us go, you know. And then we decided we really felt like going on home. Well, later on, when I ran into Andres, he made a point of telling me he agreed with us, whatever that meant, and how they'd been told that Mapua, that's the Mexican-American Business and Professional Women's Association, had been planning to crash the Tatiana and warned that anyone caught speaking to any woman there wouldn't be invited back the next year or ever again. And old Gilbert of Gilbert's Office Supply in the Mexican Chamber of Commerce, seeing as how we hadn't known any better being new to Austin, came around to invite Ernie the next year and to explain how they were planning to host something for the ladies sometime, a, a dinner or something, you know, so they can be involved too. And Ernie just smiled and said, well, you just let us know when you do, and we'll both be there. And then we took that fancy engraved invitation to the all-male tardeada, no women, no Anglos allowed, and just put it at the bottom of our stack of bills paid. We'd already been to one tardeada, and if you think all the leaders were there, then you just don't know Marta. So this uh, was published in Third Coast Magazine, and then somebody else picked it up and published it there, and pretty soon it was making the rounds, and... <clears throat> It caused a little escándalo, and within two years, the tardeada wasn't happening anymore. They could have kept it going and just invited the women, you know, but, well. Um, so I wanted to start with something just to give us a little sense of, of background. And also because we live, we're lucky to live in a place where there's diversity. I will say the dirty word. It's okay. You know, they won't come get me, probably. Um, diversity. When you have a bunch of flowers of different colors, you've got something beautiful, something to choose from. Diversity, it's a wonderful thing. Nature loves diversity. Why do you think we have mutations? You know, you think it's enough to have blue flowers and red flowers and pink flowers? Nombre, nature goes sneak one in there that's like half purple with little white spots on it, you know? I mean, nature thrives on diversity. And uh, we're lucky because we live in an area where we have many cultures that come together. And sometimes for me, that felt like, uh, like I was a little kid standing on a border trying to balance between two sides and having lots of fun jumping back and forth.
This next poem is called Both Sides of the Border. And it's to give you a little exercise so you don't have to feel like you have to be very proper and sit there and stiff and you get all tired of sitting in the chair. So I'm gonna ask you to do something with me because when I wrote this, because I was thinking of the way I grew up in Tex-Irmex, you know, we spoke half English, half Spanish. We had, cult, you know, cultural traditions that were like Santa Claus and the Three Kings and, you know, all the, all the mixtures of the two cultures. I thought, well, I can't write this all squished together. I'm going to put it in two different columns. I'm going to go back and forth to the different sides of the page. So it was written in two columns, which was great until the first time that I tried to read it. And I said, how am I going to show them that there's, how do I, explain that they're in two different places, these things going on. So I said, okay, when I read on this column, I'm going to raise this hand. And when I read on this column, I'm going to raise this hand. And you guys can help me because you too live on both sides of the border. So when I go like this, raise this hand. And when I go like this, raise this hand. You ready? Don't hit anybody next to you. Just, <laughs> just get all your exercise in, okay? Both sides of the border. That deep, delicious desire to run on two tracks at the same time, jump back and forth, or let one foot fall inside each track like a little girl straddle skipping two sides of a curb. To read the subtitles in Spanish and hear the English words simultaneously. To write one story in the legal lines of the legal pad and then to escape and scribble illegal notes up the margin on a whole different page or poem or poema. I was born bilingual. A lullaby between the Tex and the Mex. My first nickname an admonition to a tío primo hermano de mi papá as he painted the walls of my house, perched high on a ladder. Men, guys, I shouted. A name I'd call him forever after, and he, me, our bond, our new language, never as correct as expected, never te vas a caer, hombre, or even you're going to fall, man. But even then, I loved the octopus arms of my mother language, Tex-Mex. Even then, I could not stay within the required lines, not jump the border, not quite step on a crack, break your mother's back, not live on both sides of the border. To be de este lado y de ese lado. To skip, straddle the curb. One foot falling on this side, next foot falling on the other, but more fun when I rode the curb, balancing above the world of territories owned laughing in my freedom from either and both. We were free from Mexico, not even bound by their laws. But to prove we were not conquered property of the US, we sassily insisted on still saying La Capital, not for Washington DC, but for Mexico City. My tongue runs to jump the language boundaries, sampling like a gleefully wild child of the goodies spread out on both tables, all stuffed into my mouth at once by fingers. No forks, no limits, no portions, all impulse. You can run, you can get away. The viejita watching the desserts can't catch you. You are sinvergüenza, high and high-powered, wound up with the freeness in zapatos without limits. I write two novels at the same time. I take two languages, sever them with no restrictions, no one measuring portions. I stuff myself with tasty or words of opposing origins. I laugh 
am unbroken, the donkey who still rears up on hind legs to jump over the log instead of lifting one leg at a time, ladylike, to be gentle for passengers. No, forget your hats. Hang on to your seats. The ride is wild. It's not guaranteed. It's not even defined. You don't know which of the two dictionaries to use. Like life and death, it gets all tangled together. Maybe you're hearing me talk. Maybe you're hearing yourself. Maybe I answered a question. Maybe I gave two different answers, like, which religion am I? Well, kind of Catholic, pero sin papeles. Since I was born and baptized, a barrio Protestant. Well, okay, you say, let's write down Christian. That ought to define it. Well, no, I say, like what I am mainly is Native American, Guadalupana. You frown at, begin to study the picture on my wall of the Virgin of Guadalupe, alias Indian Tonantzin, um, mixed with, Sephardic Jew, you check for papers. No, I explain, all unofficial, of course. I'm a mojada, I don't got papers. But I do got citizenship, two of them. Like I got ownership without the deeds. These places are mine, these spaces are mine, these borders are mine, both sides of the river. It's not that I don't belong, it's just that I belong twice, don't we all? It is time. It is more than twice past the time. I want an altar. No two. I take the two wooden boxes, once drawers in a work table in my garage, hit by a tornado. Garage torn down and rebuilt. The table isn't there anymore. That's okay. Everything has at least two lives. I can hang them by their handles. One will be an altar to Lupe, the pregnant virgin. Well, most things are medically possible, aren't they? The Catholic Holy Mother with unborn mestizo baby. Moon, sun, gold stars and cloak, red dress, black belt of pregnancy identical to Aztec goddess Tonantzin. A Spanish plot to convert Indians to Catholicism? No, an Indian plot to convert Catholicism to Indians. Subversively, they called her Queen of the Americas, her only crown, the Indian sun, simultaneous with footstool moon, her hands folded humbly, but no one's fooled. I'll keep her big, bright Mexican colors, green and red with gold stars, but maybe I'll add something. Blue jeans, dream catcher earrings, green card, maybe not. We pray to her. She prays to someone else, maybe to us. Please, virgencita, please, non-virgencitos, protect us as we say. Attack, she says. Charge ahead for yourselves. So the other box, drawer, altar, will be Dia de los Muertos. I'll call it All My Children, like the soap opera with the ad from the soap opera pasted behind it and pictures of all my kids, even the ones who weren't born. Children the very sprouting of life, but in the middle of the Dia de los Muertos, the very sprouting of death, and like in every day of the dead altar, everyone in it will be a muertito, a little laughing skeleton. So there will be my kids, all of them, the live muertitos and the dead muertitos, all with sweatsuits from Old Navy or Ross or the dollar store in different colors and their initial on it, and also means books and ideas and ancestors and a bunch of other people who aren't my children but could have been, and a globe of the world. Drawers, 
altares in my home, two. So you never get too serious about just one. Never get too committed to one ideology, one language, one focus, one religion. My bicultural, bi altares, one to an Aztec, Christian, pregnant virgin, and one to all the dead we've loved before, hung together to life and to death. Or is it to death and to life? Or is it both things at the same time in both places, always both sides of every border? This book, Warrior Girl, is about reclaiming what's yours. It's about reclaiming those lost parts of yourself whose absence still hurts and reclaiming them in a way that reminds you that there's joy and celebration and a spirit inside your core that can never be lost. This book is about learning how to build a shield that is very special. It lets some things through, like smiles and friendship and the joy of new adventures. But other things like dirty looks or sneers or lies or insults, those things just bounce off. This book is also about stress and survival and strategies for how to deal with big problems in ways that affect change, but that also bond you closer to others. The 12-year-old girl in this book is Selena Teresa Guerrera Amaya. But when she starts school, her name gets changed. Her language gets forbidden. Her culture and history get looked down on. And then just as she's starting a new school on the west side of San Antonio and is very excited about the year to come. And the family has moved in with a grandma she adores and she's getting all pumped up about starting seventh grade. Her father gets deported back across the border at a time when cages are being set up to lock people into. For months, they don't hear a word back and don't know where he is or even if he's still alive. Her grandmother and her three new best friends at school help her deal with these worries and her teachers encourage her newfound love of writing and commitment to social justice until the pandemic hits and she can't even get together with her friends or her teachers one thing she knows, though, is that she'll stay true to her name, Guerrera, which means a woman warrior. The Spanish word for woman warrior, she will stay true, stay true to, and the fight for justice for everyone. Some folks think this book is just for girls. It's not. The world has stolen the rights and identities and freedoms and dignity of both girls and boys. Some folks think this book is only for kids. It's not. Publishers like to have the comfort of a target age group. So they said, oh, this is middle grade, ages 10 to 14. And they put the little label on it. But then when it came out and the reviews started coming in from places like Publishers Weekly, Publishers Weekly said 10 and up. School Library Journal said 10 and up. I was having lines of young kids coming through with books. I asked my agent, does 10 and up mean like 10 to 18? Or does it mean 10 and up? 
up. She said, 10 and up, up, 10 to 110, whatever. Okay. Some folks may think this book is only about Mexican-Americans, but it's not. It's about anybody who cares about things being fair, who cares about being silenced and freeing people's voices up to be all that they can be and say all that they want to say. and a half ago, I found out it had been selected as one of 11 finalists for the Jane Addams Children's Book Award, which is this international award <laughs> focused on peace, social justice, global community, and equity for all people. I don't even care if it wins. We'll, we'll find out later. It's a finalist, and I'm just tickled that it's being read by people in other countries and in other places. So here's the voice of Selena Teresa Guerrera Maya. I can't read you the whole book because we'd be here all night. You don't want to do that. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to start with, I'm taking out, it's a novel in verse. A novel in verse, if you've never read one, is like instead of chapters, you have poems. So you go from this poem to the next poem. So I'm going to pull out some of those poems that kind of tell pieces of the story. If it gets confusing, just kind of stop me and go, make a suggestion to me where that come from, you know. Um, so I'll just pull pieces out. She starts by telling us her story. She, the 12-year-old kid about to start seventh grade, goes back and starts to reflect on her life and say, well, this is what happened when I was a baby. And this is what happened when I started school. And this is what happened at this point. And this is where I am now. So that's why you're going to hear her talking about the six-year-old and talking about fourth grade. And then all of a sudden, she's, she's up here. So <clears throat> bear with me, and like I say, just give me a signal if it looks, if it gets confusing. Um, how I got my name. So when I was born, my mom said, ay, que preciosa, I want to name her Selena. But my dad said, I want to name her after your mama, Teresa. And mom nodded kind of and said, we'll name her Selena Teresa. And we can call her Tere around the house so grandma can know how much we love her. And they did. And everything was good with my name, except for one thing. My dad's last name is Guerrero, and my mom's is Amaya. And the nurse got confused when she saw all those names. Selena, Teresa, Guerrero, Amaya. I don't think four is too many names, but I guess the nurse did. So she wrote down Guerrero with an A at the end of the name instead of an O. And she dropped the Amaya completely. No one noticed right away because they were too busy ooing and eyeing over me. Then the birth certificate came in the mail and they noticed it. And dad just laughed. He said, well, Guerrera means a woman warrior. I bet she'll be brave and strong and fight for justicia. And then he said, we could get a fix later. Maybe. And mom repeated, maybe. Then the very next month, they deported my dad back to Mexico for not having the right papers. Funny how papers can be so right and so wrong and can even mean more than people in some folks' eyes.
years. Luckily, my dad returned to us pretty soon because there's no way he was going to leave my mom alone to raise their beautiful baby girl, me. My mom said to get back, dad had to work to raise money and borrow some from his cousin too. He had to swim across a river at night and then cross a desert with no water and then walk through a field of snakes, but he came back. And he kept working here to pay for the rent, for the food and the diapers. He kept trying to get his papers, but something else always had to be paid first, like taking la baby to get my shots, or getting the motor fix on the car, or learning enough English to do his taxes, or working to help mama pay for her nurse's aid schooling. But nothing was going to stop him from being there for me and being the best dad. And that's what really matters. Grandma said I was wonderful. Life is so much fun when you're little and at home with people who love you and look at you with eyes full of hope. That's what my grandma did. She looked at me. Even when I was bad and snuck an extra pan de polvo off the plate before the party, she'd laugh and say, que sinvergüenza esta muchacha. Even though her words said I was rascally, that's not what her eyes said. I saw her eyes. They said I was wonderful. Then Tere starts first grade. Some of you have seen the performance piece. I'm not going to do it tonight. But um, this little child goes to her first day very excited, feeling very smart because they tell her at home that she's so smart, she's so least, I get chul and everything. And when she gets to school, um, a lot of things are different from what she expects. And she's like, all fixed up and she's got two bows in her hair and her got her little pigtails and she's already and she's I'm gonna be pretty today because I got first grade. See am I boy? Yes I'm a, a big good you don't got to go. I no get lost. I already went on the registration. I'm so smart and no I'm a, I no get lost. It's only a block away. No I no talk to strangers. I be polite. Yes I know can Mexico where they come from they say the three highest things is God the Virgin of Guadalupe y la maestra, the teacher. So I be respect to her like you say, Amma, and, and no, I no talk to strangers, and I no get lost, and I'm almost there already, Mama, can I go? And so she gets to school, and um, she stops on the way to talk to a stranger, a little kid at a little house that's too little to go to first grade. So she tells her, you can't go, and I can't. Um, and, and she says... Um, I'm going to go to first grade. It's going to be fun like Christmas. They teach us to read. They teach us to write. They, they teach us lots of stuff. And teacher going to love me because I'm smart and because I'm pretty and because I know be late. So I'll come back. I'll tell you all about it. So she goes on to school. And when she gets there, uh, she wants to tell the teacher, I know how to write my name. My name is Dara. The teacher says, that's nice. Now sit down. Teacher, I know how to write my name. Teacher, I know how to write my name. It's Estere. It's, uh, that's nice. Now sit down. And they keep going at it until finally the teacher gets her to sit down. And, and she learns how to raise her hand and how to lower her hand and how to sit down. And finally, a little later in the day, that she finally gets to work on, on her name. Um, and she introduces herself to the teacher say, my name is Estere. And the teacher says, I'm Miss Jones. And she says, my name is Tere. And she says, that's Terry. Terry. And she says, no, it's Tere. And the 
He just says, no, it's pronounced Terry. No, it's pronounced Terry. And they go back and forth for a little while. And finally, the teacher says, Terry. And she says, oh, okay, 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 it's three. And um, goes through the whole day. And every time she slips up and says, Terry, instead of Terry, the teacher gets a little more ticked with her and finally says, um, I might have to put her in the slow class. She's like, I don't want to go into slow class. I'm around slow all day long. I want to run and jump with everyone else. When I got first grade again tomorrow, no importa. And she takes off her goes. So there's a, a, a tremendous amount of, and this is spread out over several poems in here, or if you see it in the, the theatrical version, it's, it's acted out. Um, but she realizes that something has happened. She has lost her name. She's no longer being called by the name that she knows and loves, the name that's after her grandma. Um, so I'll skip forward a little bit. They move a lot. They're in a lot of little tiny racist Texas towns. And this one's called Moving. We had to move. I don't remember why. My daddy got a new job or the old job finished or didn't pay enough to stay. The new town wasn't any bigger than the old one, but the people were mean to us, and I felt a lot more lost, especially in school. The teacher there must have taken lessons from the teacher in the old place because she, too, changed my name to Terry. Guess none of them like names that sound like Spanish, so they took away my name. I wonder what is left that they can't take away from me. So then she, Grandma comes to visit. Grandma Tere has always been a joy to the family and, and a big support. So the Grandma comes down to a little, little town that they're living in, and she begins to teach Tere ways to deal with the world around her. And this one's called My Grandma Tere Taught Me. One of the things my Grandma Tere taught me was how to make a fiesta out of every day. Every day she would whisper, today's a celebration. It's the feast of San Fulano de Tal. And she would tell me the name of the saint for that day or the celebration for that day or the reason we should be happy that day. El Dia del Mariachi, a day to listen to mariachi music. El Dia del Chef, a day to cook something special and exotic. El Dia de la Risa, a day to spend joking and laughing. Now I know why Tere is just as strong a warrior name as Guerrera. Because when you're celebrating, when you find a reason to be happy, a reason to sing or dance or paint or play or laugh or write, they haven't taken everything away from you. will not silence me. So most of my time in school, I learned to keep quiet because when I spoke up, I got in trouble. Then finally last year, I got a teacher who was so cool. He told me we were cool. He told us our voice mattered. Don't let them silence you, he said. He told us our family stories were part of history too. He said we could write our history in a book and put it in a library for everyone to see. He told us we came from a long line of strong people with powerful stories. I felt like singing. But then we moved again. I left behind that school, that home, that town, but I took something with me, something celebrating, singing deep inside me in a voice that won't be stopped. 
no matter what. They will not silence me. They will not take my story or my joy away from me. My shield. I come from a long line of people who know how to keep their courage up and their love strong, who know how to keep their birthday party smiles, no matter if folks are giving them trash day dirty looks. I come from a long line of rock-solid moms, dawn-breathing dads, and grandmas who light candles of hope that'll burn for a lifetime. Grandmas who teach you how to build a shield. I built my shield to keep ugly things out. I built my shield to let lots of love in. I built my shield to protect me from name callers, tongue stick routers, dirty looks, dirty tricks. I built my shield to welcome in big dreams, warm smiles, new friends. I built my shield from love, from the blessings an old woman gave me when I was still too tiny to talk, from glances honeyed with que chula, que maravillosa, que wonderful. Deportation is an ugly word. Deportation sounds like operation, sounds like amputation, sounds like dehydration, sounds like discrimination. I know a lot of words, but deportation is one of the ugliest, especially since last night when my dad got picked up by some officers with guns and taken to who knows where again. Grandma says, don't worry, your papacito belongs right here with you, and this is where he'll come back to. Love is stronger than borders. Patience is stronger than hate. Mama's crying in the other room, but when she comes out, she tries to put on a smile for us, and Grandma hugs both of us and says, just wait. In just a few months, he'll be back. Diosito nos ayudará. So she started school. She hasn't, because of all the constant moving, she hasn't really had a chance to ever make friends. And she's in this wonderful school in the west side of San Antonio with these very supportive teachers and these other kids. And she begins to make some friends. I've never had a best friend before, but now I have a friend. I, me, la shorty, la flaca, la nobody likes her, la wears the hand-me-downs for goodwill, la always looking for somewhere to sit in the cafeteria. Have a friend, have a good friend, and her name is La Liz. And now not only do I feel like I'm taller and smarter and not alone, but I also feel stronger, like Selena Guerrera, a.k.a. Wonder Woman. I feel more me. And now no one can ever convince me that me is not a cool thing to be. So then she finds out that once you have one friend, it's easier to make another one. So uh, she made some pretty cool friends. And this one is named Kata. And she writes a poem about Kata because by now her writing has been what's keeping her alive. In her little purple journal, she just keeps writing and writing about the things that happened to her. And she writes about the people that she meets as well. So she's writing a poem about Kata told in Kata's words. So my name is Kata, Kata. But most people call me Kata because some people think they can't pronounce my name. Well, they can, but they don't know they can. They say, they see C-A-T and immediately they think cat. And then they see the A at the end and they say, uh, so they call me cat, uh. I try to teach them, but they close their minds. Spanish pronunciation to them is like on a different planet. It's like they see me as coming from a different planet. But I celebrate having two languages. I like the way life feels when you can laugh in two languages and share in two languages and breathe in two languages. Yeah, my name is Kata. Kata.
she starts to gain confidence because the teachers are listening to her opinions about things, which was rather rare in the other areas she had been in. And so when she gets a little more confident, she, at the end of one of her long homework papers, begins to uh, write a letter to the teacher. And it says, Dear Mr. Mason, the history homework you assigned makes me sad, makes me cried, makes me ready to revolt. First, that history textbook is so big and heavy, I have to squeeze it into my backpack and it almost breaks the zipper. Second, I walk like 13 blocks home, carrying it like iron weights, and I'm only 12 and not a weightlifter. Third, that chapter on the Industrial Revolution was so long, it took me over three hours to read it. And worst of all, I read what it said. In the Industrial Revolution, kids were forced to work 10 hours a day or more, and that was just plain wrong. Mr. Mason, have you read this chapter? I think you need to reread the line that says, child labor laws later declared working children more than eight hours a day against the law. Mr. Mason, I worked hard seven hours at school today, plus three hours of your homework, and now I have to do math homework too. That's more than 10 hours, and that's against the law. Love your student. P.S. I'm really good at math. <laughs> she begins to notice injustice. You know, she's becoming conscientizada. She's beginning to say, wait a minute, these things aren't fair. And... One of the people that she notices it on is this very quiet young boy that she's heard other people call Chato. Chato starts, his line starts the poem. No, miss, yo no sé nada. Chato blurts out, honest-hearted, when Miss Jackson says, you know what X represents, y'all. And the whole math class busts out laughing. He hides his worn tennis shoes under the desk and his eyes turn low where we can't see what they're thinking. I hear his exasperated sighs as he plods through the math problems. And when he gives the teacher his paper, his smile pleads with her to be kind. She doesn't look up from her desk, doesn't see it. Only I see the hope that still grows from the hands he is squeezing together, head down and shoulders slumped. poem in the book that I wanted to share with you. When she, a lot of things happen. I won't tell you what happens, but she, she, her friends pull her through and, and a lot happens. And then on the very last page, she summarizes what she's learned. She says, they don't have the power. Sometimes they try to take everything away from you. Sometimes they actually do. But then you look inside and find something there they can't even see, and they can't even understand, and so they don't have the power to see it, touch it, or take it away. They don't have the power, but you do. You are all that has happened to you, and all that you dream to be, and all the possibilities, whether reached or not, and all of your story, and all of your name, and all you have loved, and all you choose to celebrate, all of you, 
Guerrera, guerrero, this knowledge, this courage, this all inside you will be your shield, will be your power. So that's just a little glimpse into the life of Selena Teresa Guerrera Maya, which incorporates factual stories and is a multi-generational story. So we hear the stories of grandma's life. We hear the stories of mom and dad's life and we hear her stories. And we even hear some stories that have to do with her little tiny cousin, the generation that's coming after her. And, and um, so it gives us a lot of Mexican-American history. It gives us a lot of San Antonio history and has some very specific San Antonio brags in the book because I think we're a very special city with a tremendous amount of resources. Um, and if you don't believe that, just look at what's going on in all the rest of the state and how we get in trouble just because we want to be a city of compassion. Since when did compassion get such a bum rap? So, uh, or a city of diversity or any of that stuff. So um, there, there's some real shout outs in there. It not only tells about some of our story, but it tells how kids too can develop that kind of a resilience that says if someone tells you something and it's not true, let it bounce off. And that goes for us too. We can't waste all of our energy fighting stuff that's coming for the wrong motivations. It's coming at us out of ignorance or it's coming at us out of envy. We have to be strong enough to remember who we are and what, what strength we have inside of us, what beauty we have, and how the blessings of our grandmothers are still in us, protecting us. Um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of in a thumbnail what, why I wrote Guerrera, uh, which is what it was called originally, and then the publishers, of course, said, well, why don't we call it Guerrera in the Spanish version? I said, oh, there's going to be a Spanish version. Okay. You know, <laughs> they know how to get you. And, and we'll call it Warrior Girl in English. So that's, that's what they did. And I'm very proud that, to say that it's out in English, it's out in audiobook, and next month it'll be out in Spanish as well. So, yeah. Wow. Um, I want to thank some people behind the scenes and also set the context because clearly Carmen is a brilliant writer, brilliant educator, and brilliant performer. Isn't that a, wasn't that a wonderful, wonderful rating? I do want to give a shout out to a few people behind the scene. Uh, my name is Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'm the literary curator here at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. Of course, our director is Cristina Bailly, whose vision it was to create this Latino bookstore. In a little bit, you're gonna meet Alma, Alma Pina uh, at the counter because she is here all week making sure that this place keeps going and we can attend to you. But she's the person you'll meet when you buy five or six copies of this book. <laughs> I also wanna thank Rodrigo Bravo from Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven to Say, who's up on the live stream. And round of applause because he's right in front of us. Make them feel at home. And someone you can't see right now is Roxana Guzman, who's helping on the production side. You can actually go to the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Facebook page and click the YouTube link to share it with folks in case they missed this. And then also we want to thank Texas Commission on the Arts and also the City of San Antonio and the Cultural Arts Department. And just to let you know what went on today, not only did we get a powerful reading, but the shield you want us to create is important because the real history about our gente is all around us right here. 
So the last reading of last year featured Dr. Munoz and Dr. Moran Gonzalez from University of Texas, who were part of the co-founders of the Refusing to Forget project. This has traveled all over the country. This is one of the first times it's exhibited at a community center. But this is exactly what you were talking about. This is the history that our youth should get, but they're not. So how beautiful to have you share those powerful metaphors and stories right here with us as our youth then can see their history in its full splendor on our terms and then come back. So please do tell other folks that they can come back, pick up copies of Warrior Girl for themselves, but then also view this exhibit, which is here throughout, throughout the, the next couple of months. But it all goes together really potently because like you mentioned, our gente are not getting these stories and it's still as, as uh, momentous as ever. I do want to say I've never seen so many kids in the audience, so it's fantastic. We're here for you. So ladies and gentlemen, one final round of applause, and then we can have her all you want. So get, get a chance to talk to you. Thank you so much, Carmen. That was beautiful.